Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Welcome to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the Warhammer 40k podcast where you get to write the script. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to support the show and maybe even jump your story in the line or maybe even read stories with me or maybe you have a story you would like to read to me, head on over to Patreon at Lorehammer Listener Lore and check out all the cool ways to get involved and support the show. Enjoy. to Lorehammer Listener Lore, the 40k podcast where you get to write the script. Hey everyone, how's it going? I'm your host Mark and joining me today once again we got back on Macriel. How's it going? Hello, hello. I'm very well. Thank you for having me back. So apparently I wasn't that bad the first time around that you invited me back on. <laughs> yeah, uh, last time we read your Tyranid Lore and I finally got around to looking at uh, the wings on your hive turret and how you painted like the peacock feathers and hot fuck. Yes, that took a bit longer. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, actually, I'm I'm still planning to do a similar pattern for my for my gargoyles, but I'm thinking of simplifying it a little bit. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. They don't all need to be thirty-hour paint job models. No. Um, <laughs> we don't. Oh want yeah, that I think that, that one model model took me most of the month really, just painting that one up. Yeah. yeah. Well, today we are sharing uh, your Space Marine chapter, and it's called the Blades of Metatron. Metatron, yeah. Metatron, yes. Yeah, okay. Um, and yeah, let's just start in. Uh, if you want to take the first part and then... Sure, sure. Um, okay, so uh, shall we first explain a little bit the kind of... Uh, um, yeah, so let's start with the founding. So the plates of Metatron uh, have been created in the 39th millennium on orders of the High Lords of Terror in direct response to an Orc war. And the progenitor chapter of the Blades of Metatron are the Blood Angels. So they are Blood Angels' successors, and they were mobilized to deal with the war and fought as a side-by-side with the new chapter uh, for a number of campaigns, uh, culminating in the banishing of a demon prince, uh, Bordrand Bloodmourne, and the High Chaplain Heron was seconded to the Blood Angels for the final battles of the joint campaign. And um, this uh, High Chaplain is also... um, uh, uh, was a stalwart enemy of the servants of chaos and slew the demon prince in single combat. And he is also the the hero of the chapter in a sense. So he's also kind of um, the the uh, the story that they keep telling themselves. <laughs> so while the gene seed of the blades of Metatron is considered pure, relatively speaking, they share a number of traits with their progenitors, such as the hyperactive omophagia, and there are also a number of important distinctions for example where blood angels can be overcome with visions of the the death of their primarch the blades of metatron can be overcome with visions of their own death okay um 
which gene seed organ is the omophagia again? That's uh, the omophagia. That was the. Um, that's a good question. Okay, I'm gonna <laughs> Google that. <laughs> Must be. Omophagia. Oh, it's the learn by eating one. Oh yes, right. The eat consuming animator. Oh yes, that yeah. also fits into the idea of the chapter because they are also various colors, so they they place high great emphasis on learning and know your enemy. And I yeah. guess in this case, eat your enemy. <laughs> uh, so High Chaplain Herion was seconded from the Blood Angels. Mm -hmm. during the final battle did he go back to the blood angels or then he stayed and kind of became a part of the chapter no he he gave went back to the blood angels after the that it was completed uh but they've been revering him ever since and um they 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 always inspired to uh to do kind of right by um his example cool okay yeah that's kind of interesting I, like uh that honor a marine from a different chapter um, <laughs> I wonder if that makes some Marines jealous, like, <laughs> hey, we got good heroes here, too. Well, at that point, they were a few fairly new chapters, so it was more kind mm. of kind of showing them the right way of uh, slaying a demon, I guess. Fair enough, I suppose, yeah. Okay, chapter homeworld. Armopolia. Medieval world, mostly ocean. Direct rule of homeworld by chapter master Cushiel and the, of the Blades of Metatron. Kaimopolia is governed by a feudal nobility, all of which are subservient to the Astartes chapter. There is no Adeptus Arbites presence on the planet. Law and order is managed by the lords and ladies and their respective barons and baronesses. There are seven great houses on Kaimopolia, usually just referred to as the seven. Most of the seven govern their own continent. Only the largest continent, Thracassus, is shared between two great houses. There's a precious piece on Kamapalia, which is reinforced by the Landstrat, on which each of the seven sends a representative to discuss matters of state overseen by chapter master and high chaplain of the Blades of Metatron. While there are a number of minor houses, there are, they themselves typically are subservient to one of the seven. The nobles meet every year for the grand tournament, which are proxy warrows in all but name. The Astartes chapter, headquarters, and fortress lies on the island chain, a series of islands on the northern hemisphere, with a harsh landscape and natural beauty and fauna of unforgiving savagery. The oceans are dominated. The oceans are dominating the planet, with seafaring being the the oceans are dominating the planet, with seafaring being in the most or wow, sometimes reading's fucked. The oceans are dominating the planet, with seafaring being in the blood of most Kamapolians, with ships and oceans dominating everyday life. Only very few citizens would identify themselves as Kamapolians, however. They tend to identify themselves based on the noble houses they swore allegiance to. Every child born on Kamapolia gets a series of names, a given name, an angel's name, a family name, and a house name. Of these, the angel's name is typically kept secret from strangers. Only close family and friends know each other's angel's names. When someone is elevated into the rank of Astartes, they adopt their angel's names and drop their other names. That's cool. Um, 
your planet, like uh, you wrote a whole bunch of stuff. You wrote like uh, longitude, uh, oh, land yes, yes. surface, all these cool descriptions, nickel composition. Um, but I, I like that it's just like this medieval ocean world that, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm excited to learn more about the seven houses and how they kind of rule. Okay, the seven. Um, the which houses make up the Lanthra? The great houses can change over time. The two oldest houses, which can track uh, back the lineage back to the time before the Dark Age of Technology, are House Cameron and House Aeneas. The most recent house is Rikers, which is considered an upstart by the more established houses, uh, even by House Danan, which predates uh, Rikers just by one century. So, and I have here the kind of a short description of each of the houses. So the, the oldest one is House Cameron, uh, which is a device, the, uh, the most effective use of the sparse land of this planet and is second only to Pinauer in terms of the forges. Then House Aeneas is, excels in warfare and military matters with the largest armies and well-trained soldiers. No other great house wants to risk a direct confrontation with them. Then the third oldest house is House Sethrock. Um, for them, in, if information is power, then Sethrock might be the most powerful of the great houses. They have eyes and ears everywhere on the planet. Um, wines of their vineyards are highly prized and the cooks are the best on the planet. Being invited to a feast at Castle Sethrock is a pleasure for the senses, but might cost more than bargained for. Then there's House Alhambra, uh, the rulers of the Red Keep. This is a great house with the most powerful navy on Camapilla, uh, famed for their kraken hunting ships. They track and hunt monsters of the sea to sell their parts to other houses. Then there's House Bainauer. They share the continent Tecasis with the upstart house Rikers, leading to a lot of tension between those two houses. Uh, they are known for the steelmaking industry, preparing the finest weapons and armor on the planet. Of course, this being a medieval planet means only plate armor and uh, <laughs> swords and stuff. Yeah. Then there's House Dana, which is arguably the weakest of the great houses. It has many minor houses snapping at its heels. The once profitable deep sea mining operations have been disasters in recent decades, and the vultures are ready to pick them apart uh, with what is left of this uh, once great house. And then House Rikers is the most recent great house after the fall of House Vandal. And uh, they are mercantile house and considered the richest of the great houses, despite of being so young. They're in constant friction with the house by now, with both sides wanting to redraw the borders on the main continent in their favor. This is cool. There, You've added so much details here, and I can just imagine how being from each one of these would affect your population and affect your Astartes when they get there. And uh, you, you threw in a couple of lines I'd like to ask about. Uh, House Cameron has devised the most effective use of the sparse land on this planet. Do you talk more about that? What is that use? Uh, this is in terms of just agriculture and food. Uh, because okay. if you have very little space to grow um, stuff, so um, if you want to have some some rice or bread, uh, because most of the other houses, they really uh, depend on uh, fisheries uh, to keep their population alive. Yeah. And they, they are very good with agriculture. So okay. I also wanted to show that the houses are not just about punishing and kicking. So they also have, each of them has their individual speciality. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. For them, it's yeah, agriculture. I feel like you gave them all a pretty unique way of doing it too. Um, how Seth, Seth Rock, uh, Seth Rock. what might they have bargained more for 
So they go to the, the the castle. They have a feast, and what do they get up to? Yeah, well, now then you get like a, a glass of wine, then another glass of wine, then it loses its tongue, and eventually you find yourself in an uncomfortable position, and you might <laughs> find yourself being blackmailed afterwards. Yeah, yeah, renegotiating trade deals when you're drunk yes, or something. Yes. <laughs> okay. So let's okay. let's talk about this trade deal after we've seen these pictures of you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I think my favorite of all of them is um, House Dana. Arguably the weakest of the houses, but I, I like the idea of that uh, deep sea mining operations. It, it's putting a cool image in my head, and it's too bad that they suck now. But that's life, ups and downs. <laughs> and especially as a, a deep sea mining with more medieval technology, yeah, just you yeah. know, thinking it is kind of you know these uh, what you see this kind of basic just a big tub that you try to sink under the water. Okay. And so that sounds horribly dangerous, which it probably is, which is also probably why, why it didn't work that well in the past couple of years. Yeah, yeah, no, it was, it's a cool concept. I can just imagine how they would go about deep sea diving in medieval times. <laughs> yes, but. I mean, as deep as you can get. I mean, with long pipes towards the sea and there's something yeah. happens to this, oh my, yeah. <laughs> cool. Recruitment and Moratari. Members of the chapter attend a grand tournament every year, looking for promising candidates. However, the majority of recruits make their way to the Iron Chain by themselves in search of glory, or a better life as transhuman gods that walk the stars. Reaching the Iron Chain alive is already a challenge, after which recruits need to face a number of trials that test their martial prowess, as well as sharpen, sharpen their mind. The Blades of Metatron are night scholars, and wit and intelligence are as important to them as the practical skills of war. Every recruit has to intensively study not only the sacred pages of the Codex Astartes, but also ancient texts on strategy, and not only those of humans. Once the recruits have been implanted with a number of organs to turn them into Astartes, they start to see visions of their own death. This vision is vague at first, but becomes sharper and more pronounced over time, with every battle brother having a very clear vision of how they will die by the time they receive the Black Carapace. Brothers who are plagued by their visions of their demise in the next battle often paint their armor black and join others who experience the same vision in squads called the Moratari. Similar in appearance to the so-called death company of their progenitor chapter, these warriors are fearless and unrelenting. Walking to the foreseen, walking to their foreseen deaths. There have been rare cases when Moriarty would survive a battle or a campaign they considered their last. Such individuals have cheated death, are considered blessed, and typically elevated to veteran squads, the Storm Guard, or higher ranks within the chapter. That's a cool concept of yeah. So they they all see their own death, but sometimes fate has a different plan for them. Very much, yeah. That's cool. Uh, so the Blood Angel successor, maybe talk about a little bit about how the Death Company works and how yours is just slightly different. Yeah, so I mean, uh, with the typical Blood Angels Death Company, as soon um, they they have this kind of bloodlust and eventually they overcome by uh, these visions of horrors, um, betraying 
an emperor and then slaying their primarch. And here it's it's kind of a similar idea, but of course, uh, in this case, they're seeing visions of their own death. And the closer yeah. it gets, the more pronounced uh, these visions become. So for example, at the very beginning, they would see kind of vague ideas of them standing on a battlefield in black armor. Like they all have black armor when they see their visions. So everybody yeah. will see themselves first in black armor on a battlefield, right? Yeah. Because they're very unlikely dying their sleep. <laughs> and then um, then they see visions of who is the enemy they're facing. And then to the point where they see the specific enemy that will be yeah. kind of uh, killing them. And so then, of course, on the battlefield, they will already start seeking out those those who are supposed to kill them. Mm. And of course, for uh, for some of them, it will be then the challenge trying to cheat them. But of course, um, yeah, so uh, this is also the thing is, uh, if they see this version of how much of them is actually kind of uh, fate and how much of it can then they actually change. But yeah. at that point, they probably believe it so much that they almost kind of resign to. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's the guy that kills me. It's like, okay, I accept it, you know. Yeah, um, pretty much. Especially since, I mean, they can be a status for like hundreds of years, right? And they see this yeah. version so often that by the time that it happens, they almost have like, you know, okay, I'm. I'm, this is the day I died. That's it. And come on, give it to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, the the trials are pretty cool. The picture of the iron chain, the islands, that's pretty cool. Um, do you have any examples of like what they might do as kind of some of these trials? Yes. Yeah, so and one of them, so one thing that's uh, been coming up in my mind a couple of times is just uh, hunting one of these big sea creatures and mm. surviving that with very, very little actual uh, equipment. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. hunting something like a, uh, like a kraken or something like that with not much more than uh, pretty much a sword and uh, some rude words. And yeah. so that if they manage to survive that, then they're already <laughs> quite worthy. And if they manage to kill one of these creatures, the, the bigger the creature, the more they esteem. Yeah. yeah. So if you if you kill uh, like a baby seal, perhaps it's not quite as impressive <laughs> yeah. as if you then kill like a, a giant shark or something like that. Yeah. Uh, and then, yeah, they return to the chapter uh, monastery and they all do a spelling bee and see who's the best spellers and who's the most knowledgeable on. <laughs> Almost. I mean, of course, they, they're just going to eat uh, the enemies so that they can learn everything from them. And then, and then they can probably pronounce them properly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah. Now, the other thing that I wanted to get in there is, uh, which I guess if if somebody would, uh, if let's say a question would look, inquisition look at them would be a bit suspicious, is that they're not only studying um, human um, tactics and so on, but also Xenos um, uh, manuals yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah, like, uh, that that is interesting. Like, uh, I don't know how heretical it would be. I would put that on like the very small side of heretical personally, but. Yeah, yeah, but of course there is of the, the more let's say radical um, and there's the more puritanical inquisitors. Yeah, so it yeah. always depends of who you. I mean, for some yeah. of them, just thinking that Xenos exist to uh, deserve uh, uh, yeah. to live uh, is already heretical. Yeah, yeah, and and you might get the odd guy in the chapter who is like, you know, he starts off small. small oh, what are the Tau fight like? And then eventually gets a little more crazier. Oh, what are the sloths fight like? And then he gets crazier. Oh, what do demons fight like? And now he's getting yes. corrupted slowly. So, you know, it's the path yes. to damnation knowledge. Especially if it's if we're talking about chaos, right? Because just the knowledge of chaos kind of corrupts in a sense in a yeah. lot of cases, especially when it, with uh, with space marines in the law. And so the more they start reading these kind of uh, hidden tomes, and this is also the whole idea of these uh, warrior uh, scholars, they they get seek out also some some hidden tomes and kind of knowledge, and some of it 
yeah, um, demonic in nature. And then they read this kind of things like, oh yeah, this makes sense. So this this uh, this uh, Loga guy has got some good ideas, and this Motarian guy. And then <laughs> next thing you know, they're suddenly, <laughs> next suddenly thing you having know. a really strange uh, facial expression and yeah, yeah. <laughs> shouting cool. in tongues. <laughs> yeah, cool. Um, we want to read the next part. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah, the next one is about uh, paladins. So similar to blood angels, the plates of Metatron seem to have a higher number of librarians among their ranks than usually start these chapters. The librarians have different titles than in other chapters. The lowest uh, rank is similar to in other chapters, a uh, which is also the rank that fluctuates the most in terms of numbers, because these recruits must not only survive the growing task um, their space marine brethren have to endure, but also master their psychic gifts and not fall to chaos, for example, or will otherwise be consumed or corrupted by warp entities. And this is this whole kind of uh, sacred, uh, secret knowledge kind of thing. So yeah. um, since they have higher number of psychers, there's a, a higher chance that, you know, stay one or two warp entities get interested. Um, the few that survived the ordeal are promoted into initiate, which is the equivalent uh, to the rank of lexicanum in other chapters. Their most important task is to submit accurate battle reports and catalog their findings to the, of their superiors. If an initiate is found to be of sufficient quality, then they are being promoted to knight errant. This is the equivalent to the codicia in uh, codex compliance spaceman chapters, and they, their tasks include evaluating reports written by initiates and provide strategic overviews for campaigns. And they also find themselves leading kill teams behind enemy lines to obtain uh, intelligence and white intelligence. So these are the ones that work more independently. Cool. And since uh, this is also what makes it a bit dangerous because they're not fully um, uh, fully trained uh, librarians yet. So yeah. of course, there's a little bit more at risk of being um, uh, taken in by chaos. Then librarians who increase both in power and control sufficiently are called the paladins in the planes of Metatron, which is comparable to the epistolaries uh, in other chapters. So the typical librarians that we would see on the tabletop. Yeah. yeah. The librarian is overseen by the high paladin, uh, currently high paladin Seraphiel. Armies are quite commonly led into battle by a paladin or high paladin, and there are even a number of paladins entombed in dreadnoughts. So these are called immortals, and these ancient battle brothers are the most revered members of the chapter. Um, so yeah, um, your whole chapter, so it has a lot of psychers. Your whole chapter is kind of latent psychers, so even just like with their ability to see their own death and... Uh, Yes, there's a lot of uh, warp fuckery going on. Yes, <laughs> yeah, it's cool. You got you gave them all kind of uh, little jobs, little duties, little names. I like it. Um, yes, and also of course their responsibilities kind of grow. Yeah. The more they also can control themselves, and yeah. the, I think the most dangerous one is the knight errant role. Um, and they are not necessarily like part of the, the the because further down is than the chapter organization. Yeah, but they're not really part of the normal. Um, um, uh, normal standing forces normally because they just go around in kill teams and hunt for uh, information. Yeah, that's a cool task. That's a cool role. Um, I also like too that you have these, your squad or your armies are quite often led by a paladin or a high paladin. Um, is there a reason why they chose them over like captains? Do you still have captains and lieutenants yes. and stuff? 
yes, there's captains and there's also um, um, chapter masters who are not uh, like uh, like paladins or anything like this. But since the chapter values knowledge and the librarians are kind of the keepers of the knowledge, so they they usually perform or the leaders of the of the army. Fair Even enough. if uh, in the field, often the the captain or the lieutenants would do the actual thing. You go over there. You go over there. You kill this. Yeah. Uh, but the overall kind of leadership with, uh, even if it's just an honorary role, it would go towards the paladins because they are the, the, the keepers of the knowledge. I see. I see. Okay. Um, yeah. Anything else you want to share about them? Um, no, I think this is, uh, yeah, uh, just that it's also with the, uh, with the immortals, it's also kind of just the, the librarian dreadnought that the blood agents oh, yeah. have. So it is, yeah. 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 It's a cool name. Chapter organization. The Blades of Metatron has suffered greatly since the opening of the Great Rift. Two entire companies have been lost. The Knights of Camopolia traveled to the Forge World of uh, Mechatonics to fight heretic Astartes of the Death Guard Legion. As a hive splinter of Leviathan approached and cut off any chances of escape, Captain Nakir and all his men are presumed dead. The fifth company was defeated by Tau expeditionary forces on the desert moon of Dustball. After having been forced to retreat, their battle barge disappeared into the warp storm and has not been seen since. The reserve companies will be, need to replenish these two companies quickly, but even the reserve companies are under strength due to a catastrophic losses of the recent decades. The veteran first company is only at half strength and currently only two battle companies are at full strength, the second and the fourth. Second company under the leadership of Paladin Palahaya is the only company not to have suffered sustained losses in the recent campaign. Fourth company, under Captain Raziel, has large numbers of Moritari squads, making it difficult to maintain full fighting strength. The Blades of Metatron were supposed to be reinforced by Grey Shields, but these reinforcements have been going through or have been going missing in the war. This is a cool thought too of like uh, the fourth company they have large amount of Moritaria squads. So like half the army's like, oh fuck, this is the battle. Half of us die. And, and I could just imagine how that would like fuel them and like just create this crazy atmosphere. Yes, I mean, it's like a, a, like a half a company of people who see themselves dying in the very yeah. next battle. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like these visions are pretty accurate. So it's pretty, pretty like, well, here we fucking go. Yes, and then they just charge into the oncoming war. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. Uh, yeah. So your chapter is pretty under strength. I like that. I, I like that it's not just all tickety boo. You know, there's a couple of yep. things happening in this chapter. Um, yeah. And this is also coming in with the whole idea of they were supposed to be reinforced by primaries, so the gray shields coming in. Uh, mm. But then something happened that uh, they were the degree shields and made them disappear again, missing in the warp. So this chapter never really got the knowledge how to get primaries marines. So yeah. they kind of stuck with four spawns. And yeah, they simply don't have enough of them. And so it's it's kind of, I like this idea of this chapter really fighting for survival every single time. And mm. every time one of them dies, it's a, a bigger deal than if it happens to, let's say, an, a regular full strength chapter. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, yeah, so no Primaris Marines. Um, cool, okay. Yes, it's a fully first-born chapter. Yeah. Uh, you actually wrote out literally, like, everything in your chapter, right down to, like, how many librarians you have, like, your paladins, and how many apothecaries, 
how many fucking servitors you have you have all this written <laughs> down it's pretty cool uh is there anything maybe we'll just read company names or or whatever yeah, you want to share company names and then yeah just a quick summary i would say okay so yeah, the, the chapter command is the chapter master Kushiel uh, with his 25 storm guards. So this is the, the, the veterans and the storm guard uh, equivalent to the sanguinary guards of the uh, blood angels. And he of course has his uh, equerries. I mean, the important thing about uh, the chapter master, he's not a psycho. So um, mm. he's having, of course, also visions, uh, but he he's one of those who kind of survived his own death in a sense. So he's he oh, cool. cheated death and so he kind of he sees that behind him and since then he's a very very pragmatic and um uh since he also has direct uh uh control of the planet itself because as i read above the the chapter master actually takes very active uh, part of politics which is also unusual because you often space marines are very disconnected from yeah from the planet they're on and yeah, then, but this one, it's like, you know, they have all these different houses, so they almost exactly. need to be, yeah, more involved. Yes, and they, they also see themselves as kind of, um, uh, yeah, uh, kind of as a guide for the, the mortals, so the regular people that live on the planet. Mm -hmm. then there is... Imagine, like, the, the reg regular people see them as, like, like they, they, all they have is swords and bows and stuff. So then to see mm -hmm. space marines and all their technology, like, it, it would be that culture shock, that mind shock. Do they worship them as gods or like um yes, how does they that pretty kinda... much they pretty much see them as well as angels, some kind of like mm. um some mythical creatures almost, yeah. but they see it of course uh, that they of course are aware that they can become these angels. And well, at least yeah. part of the population can. And yeah. so this is something that they they see that like this is their potential for like um an afterlife in a way. Well, mm -hmm. of course, most people just die and you know get eaten by a kraken. <laughs> okay, okay, cool. Then there's the Reclusium, which is uh, High Chaplain al Diail. Uh, and he has uh, seven chaplains um, looking after the um, uh, the uh, the well-being of the of the people. And of course, with all of the people uh, suddenly painting the armor black, they want to make sure that it doesn't take get out of hand. Yeah? <laughs> and so, <laughs> so making sure that it's within control. Then yeah. there's the Liberius with High Paladin Seraphiel. It had already been mentioned. And so this is a the perhaps the most important part really of the chapter because the, the uh, librarians are in such high regard. Uh, then there's the apothecarian, Rakul, with the, who's the chief apothecary, uh, which is nine apothecaries, which doesn't sound like a lot in actually also keeping uh, keeping the chapter alive. And this is also this kind of how, how stretched they are in terms of their resources. Sure. Then there's the armory with Matriel, who is the master of the forge, and he just has all of the gunships and um, the tanks and everything else under control, and also the servitors. Yeah. And I don't want to go through the specific numbers, but uh, I've kind of uh, started with some of the numbers that are there for uh, chapters like the Ultramarines and the Blood Angels, because they say for some of them how many tanks they have. And I just yeah. wanted to make sure that all of the numbers I have was very low. For example, they are only like three land traders in the entire chapter. That's it. Mm. So if if I would ever get a land trader use him in battle and I leave, lose three of them, that's it. No, that's no it. more land traders. Yeah. <laughs> no. No. <laughs> no, this was my third one. <laughs> Those are sacred relics, man. Treat them gently. Yes. Uh, yeah. So if that if they're done, they're done. Yeah. So because they have also not really a chance to replenish them. Um, yeah. 
Then the first company mm -hmm. is like also with code compliant chapters is the veteran company or here called the Stormguard. Uh, but also they are quite under strength. So there's only uh, 16 uh, terminators, for example, in the entire in the entire uh, chapter. So again, yeah. if I ever use more than 16 terminators no. and I'll die, that's it. No. <laughs> <laughs> so you would very, very rarely, I would actually use terminators then in, yeah. in a game, yeah, because they're so, so they really, when they are on the field, really things have gotten serious. Yeah. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Um, and then a couple of dreadnoughts and uh, just regular storm guards. So that's the veteran. Yeah. Then the second company is one the one of the two that is full strength. That is the so-called demon hunters under the paladin Alia. Um, so this is just a regular kind of company. So um, has like battle line squads, close support squads, fire support squads. The usual thing you expect from from a yeah. regular company. Then the third company, the Knights of Camapolea, uh, were the ones uh, that been mentioned above that have been lost on my Catanix Prime. So they've yeah. been eaten by Tyranids pretty much. Yeah, and that ties into the last lore you shared. So maybe uh, exactly. if you haven't listened to that one, go back a week and uh, find High Fleet Ungaboda. Yes, Ungaboda. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And go listen to that. And uh, I, I like the little tie-in of just like, you know, your chapter is gone, fought these guys or whatever. It's just a nice little tie-in. Yes. And also like to, um, it also makes me feel a bit like I'm kind of creating a small corner of the, the universe in a sense, rather than just having these completely dislocated uh, armies. Yeah. And also makes sense because I kind of, of course, have my armies kind of effectively fight each other as well. Yeah. I like it. <laughs> And then the fourth company is uh, the Path of Redemption under Captain Raziel. That is has yeah a lot of a lot of black painted lunatics in it. <laughs> Path of Redemption, cool. Do these company names change maybe like depending on who the captain is, or do they kind of stay the same? Yes, uh, I would envision that they change with the captain. So every time okay. when the captain dies um, and there would be a new captain being elected, then uh, the, the name would also change to reflect the, the um, as in a sense, uh, the, the nature of the company as in the nature of the captain. Yeah. So for example, a path of redemption. Yes, I mean, they, they think they have something to redeem for. Yeah, what exactly? They don't, they don't speak to <laughs> outsiders. Uh, but yeah. Yeah. And for example, the Knights of, uh, so the third company, the idea of them was that they would be kind of traditional kind of knights in their previous life, and they were very chivalric and uh, honorable duels and stuff like that, which doesn't really help against tyrannids. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so then the fifth company, they're called Riders of the Storm, uh, which uh, is with Captain Cassiel, and they were lost in a warp storm after... Uh, defeat by the Taurus Sept uh, on uh, Desert Moon. Cool. Then the sixth company is the uh, reserve company. They call it the Kraken and the Captain Hadraniel, and they are um, a full well full strength with, uh, but they are just battle line squad. So that's just regular Marines. So you're a regular first one Marine with a bolter and an attitude. <laughs> yeah. Then the seventh company is a reserve company, uh, the Tiger Sharks, um, under Captain Yi Huil. Um, and that is very understrength. It's only like three battle line squads, so only 30 Marines in the entire company. <laughs> that's not much. Yeah. <laughs> so that's pretty much it. Yeah. If, if they use that to replenish any of the others, I mean, then the seventh company is gone as well. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And then there's the eighth company, which is also usually in Codex compliant chapters, like a, a 
a reserve close support company and this is called the sea, sea dragons and they're again very under strength only three close support squads remaining so yeah. there's not many left yeah then we have the ninth company which is the reserve fire support company called the invincibles they're called this way because they stand all the way in the back. <laughs> it's easy to be invincible if you're staying out of range. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, that is under Captain Malik. And then the 10th company, as traditionally, it's a scout company, the Corsairs. Um, and they're under Captain Sarathiel and the Corsairs is more because they have more, more for like a pirate theme than envision mm. them. Yeah, so yeah. they would be, yeah, uh, looking at that. Okay. Cool. Yeah, it, it's cool uh, laying out like literally everything in your chapter. And then, you know, if you want to spend $10,000, you could buy everything in your chapter. Yes, actually, with, with being so much under strength, you wouldn't need that much oh, money. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe you're only looking <laughs> actually, at a five grand bill. Yeah. It's still a lot of predators if I take uh, really that many battle tanks. <laughs> yeah, yeah. 20, 28 battle tanks. <laughs> yeah, that would include... Well, that would include uh, I'm not I'm exactly sure if uh, it would also have Razorback probably also technically battle tanks yeah um yeah i don't know if they are hmm. yeah but yeah so that's that's the whole chapter and uh, yeah then a bit of uh, so because we haven't mentioned how the the color scheme usually looks like hmm. uh that is um uh so black and purple um of like a deep uh, deep violet and um with some gold uh, the, the aquila is gold and also kind of the trim of the shoulder pads is also gold yeah and uh, the distinction for the sergeants or veterans that they would wear a white helmet rather than a, a purple helmet. Mm. And also if they have uh, uh, the veterans would also uh, would, thought, would have thought some kind of a cloak that would also be kind of a white or a cream. So I think that's, okay. uh, because uh, I mean, purple has a little bit this connotation of like more emperor's children. So it's very mm. rare actually for loyalist chapters, but yeah. I like the, the purple color yeah. for sure. Um, and then their chapter logo is a sword and a book because they like their knowledge. Yes. Yeah. Cool. Um, tactical and strategic organization. Chapter demeanor. Swift as the wind. Chapter flaw. Oh, sorry. Yeah. So that, that I think makes kind of sense for Blood Angels or successes. They usually up right up in the face of the enemy quite quickly. Yeah. Chapter flaw. Faith in suspicion. The chapter hates a single imperial institution and refuses to work with them, the Adeptus Arvites. Why is that? Um, yeah, this, so this I thought there would have been some some bad blood, uh, bad blood like hundreds, thousands of years ago, where some Arvides was investigating something they shouldn't have, and yeah, that um, then effectively got them kicked off the planet. Uh, <laughs> and I mean, uh, if anything. Spacemans can hold a grudge over a long time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got the librarians all writing it down over and over again as well. Like, yes. Yeah. <laughs> Make sure that uh, the message gets repeated. Yeah. Yeah. Codex Adherent. The blades of Metatron follow the Codex Astartes with some deviations similar to those of their progenitor chapter, the Blood Angels. Where the Blood Angels have a death company, the blades of Metatron have the Moriarty. Where the Blood Angels have a sanguinary guard, the blades of Metatron have the storm guard mm -hmm. combat doctrine close combat characteristics chapter training scholar knights all the studies of this chapter are expected to be well-read and treat gathering intelligence as the duty of equal importance to direct destruction of their foe 
Yeah, so this is interesting. Like, I wonder how smart these guys actually are. So, like, they come from a medieval world where, you know, there's the skullcap peasantry that don't even know how to write their own name. Um, yes. Like, when you compare them to, like, a standard imperial citizen who knows what labs technology actually is, how smart are they, do you think? Yes, so this is an interesting one because uh, I think they consider themselves smarter than they are. So okay. it's, it's because, I mean, since, yes, they're very smart relative to the rest of the planet, yeah. uh, but then they, they don't really start at a very high level. So um, what I thought was uh, that they they would have a hard time, I mean, they have all this knowledge, but they have a hard time uh, kind of determining what's important. Hmm. So they would read a lot of stuff, but they don't really have a good idea of what they should really look out for. Yeah. So if let's say if I they get read three different reports of how they deal with let's say a Turin invasion, they would kind of treat all of them equally valid and don't really you know, think things through in a way. So they, hmm. they yeah uh, they, such and such said we should run up and punch them in the face kind of thing. And then then they don't really stop to think of if they might be wrong. So it's hmm. I always consider so them yeah. it, it's it's almost more like they got like uh book skills more so than like critical thinking skills exactly so okay. they can re they're really good in remembering and also, yeah um, oh yeah i forgot to mention that earlier uh, because for them it's also important to kind of uh keep the oral traditions up so they they do a lot of learning by repeating and remembering mm -hmm. uh, but they're not really smart uh, so gathering intelligence yeah. uh, but not necessarily being smart about what they do i see what you're saying cool Chapter Beliefs, Revere the Primarch. Chapter Strength, Endangered, Suffered Catastrophic Losses. Chapter Relations, On Friendly Terms with uh, Adeptus Sororitis of the Crimson Lily, Enemies of the Eldar, Likely Responsible for Aforementioned Losses. They consider the Adeptus Abartes with suspicion and refuse to work with them. There are no Abar uh, Arbites on the chapter world. The law is upheld by local nobility. Cool. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And we already talked about the colors and tolerance. And uh, yeah, I don't think we need to go over the homework details. I don't think anybody's really interested in this precise radius yeah. of 8,800.38 <laughs> kilometers. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, the surface cool. area of the landmass and the density. Yeah. I think it's a bit too much detail, perhaps. Yeah. yeah. But you, you also have like a cool picture of your chapter or of the home world. It's all laid out like a digital rendering or whatever of it. It's yes, pretty cool. So it's yeah, it's like a, like a map with the with the um. um I didn't really add like the names to it, but yeah, a map of the main continents. And yeah. there's six main continents, so one for each of the house plus the biggest one is kind of split in two. Yeah, very cool. Um, just when we're reading that tactical and strategic organization, did where did you get some of these questions and like uh, chapter demeanor? Swift as the wind. Ah, yes, this is, I think that is from uh, one of the um, source books from the role-playing game. They had this That's kind of... That's what I thought. Yes, yeah, because from Fantasy I think, Flight Games. Because, uh, yes, exactly. They had this kind of thing. And I think it's a really good way of thinking about your chapter because it, it, you, you're forced to answer a couple of important questions about the chapter early on, right? Yeah. So uh, how, how should they behave? Um, is there anybody they like that they, they don't like? And they really lets you kind of you know, consider some of these so this is what kind yeah. of was the starting point this kind of fantasy flight games um, yeah. tables it's really good um i i just googled space marine chapter creation tables 1d4chan mm -hmm. and that'll pull yeah. up 
I'm sure there's another bunch of other ways, but definitely go look at it. Like you said, it gives you like a base when you're creating a chapter. Like there's a bunch of questions in here that are essential. Like when are you founded or, you know, there's just chapter demeanor. Yes. Uh, you chose Swift as the win, which means going slowly and thinking things out. Blam. No, <laughs> no, thank you. <laughs> no, no. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. Go check that out. It's a great way to just, add a bunch of fucking little extra details to your to your yes. lore. And it's also because it's it's really difficult to start with an empty page I was yeah. So if you if you take these kind of these things, then you can use it like as a skeleton and then you can build the, the rest of the law on top of that. Exactly. And of course you don't have to take everything they have. I mean you can just come up yeah. with your own things that you like or don't like. Yeah. A couple other cool things about this table is it talks a lot about um gene seed. And like, okay, how many people actually come from the Ultramarines? Well, mm -hmm. turns out, um, where did that table go? Uh, it just lost. But like, it it lays out like seventy percent of the uh, chapters created come from the Ultramarines, and only one percent come from the Salamanders. It lays out all these kind of things. It also lays out how likely you're to suffer from gene mutation, which I think is yeah. very cool too. And there's just a lot of extra little details of uh, this. So go check that out. Yeah, so because it's also when people talk about, oh, I'm I'm successor chapter for this or that, I mean, it makes you kind of think that, yes, there is a reason why the majority comes from the Ultramarines, because they yeah. just have the most. Yeah, yeah. salamanders have a 90% gene seed uh, mutation rate, so. Yeah, so very uh, unlikely that nothing's going on there. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> cool. Well, that's, that's all you had written down. Is there anything you would like to share about them that you don't have written down? Um, no, I think we, we covered most of it, really. Uh, yeah. the, the one thing I want to add is this is one of the few uh, things where I brought low, because I actually brought it some time ago already, um, where I don't actually have models for, because, uh, yeah, uh, at the time when I was putting that together, I had the idea of having the next, like, a firstborn space main chapter. But at that time, I was still collecting some uh, battle sisters. And once the battle sisters were more or less done, then somehow tyrannids happened. And then <laughs> I got distracted by Tau and then this and that. And so, yeah, so I never really, really got around to building them. But I think at some point I will at least make a kill team of them. Sure, and led by a librarian, that'd be sweet. Exactly. Yeah, yeah man. And I, I was thinking of kind of uh, kit bashing them out of like regular Marines and kind of Grey Knights because they really fit this kind of Knights scholarly kind of uh, mm. idea. Yeah, like take the shoulder pad for the chapter symbol, take the helmet, maybe, maybe take yes. their long great swords. Yeah, so sure. not necessarily, of course, not all of the, the details because, of mm -hmm. course, the gray knights are very specific, but you can kind of mix and match some of them. Yeah, there's definitely some pieces that you can throw onto other chapters and make it look fine. But yeah, yeah like... so you can basically take one box and spread it out over a couple of uh, <laughs> groups. Where... Cool. Very cool. Well, I hope you actually get to doing that one day. Uh, I'd love to see a little kill team of this army. Yeah, yeah, sooner or later, but I still have a big pile of opportunity. <laughs> opportunity, a big pile of opportunity. Yes, it makes it better, sound better than a pile of shame, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, it really does. I like that. <laughs> uh, well, very cool. Thank you so much for sharing. Um, yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, we'll have you on again if you have any other lore next time. Um, but yeah, for anyone who has lore, don't forget, you can send it in. Also, you can send me a message and we can set up a time and we can record together. We can share your lore. We can read somebody else's, whatever, uh, whatever tickles your pickle.
Well, um, that's all for this episode of Lorehammer Listener Lore. Thanks again for joining me, and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. If you would like to submit your story, you can email lorehammerpodcast at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out our Patreon page and support the show at Lorehammer Listener Lore. See you next episode. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun... Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.